Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We've been going through, we've been going through um, the Beatitudes, and we're up to blessed, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh boy, I might need a chair for this one, I'll tell you what, man, this is, this is the verse I've been waiting to get to from before I started the sermon series. Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers, so let's take a look at it. What it says, actually, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, if you have your version Bible app, you can go over to Menu, Events, click on Emmanuel Baptist Church, and you'll see all sorts of helpful, handy links along with our sermon notes right there. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I want to make sure uh, this isn't in your notes, it's not in my notes, but it's on my heart. They shall be called the sons of God. In other words, someone else is going to assign to them the title sons of God, children of God. Now, there's a lot of people walking around saying, I'm a Christian. You know, in the early church, in the book of Acts, they didn't walk around saying, I'm a Christian. You know where that, ver- that word came from, right? Little Christ is what it means. It came from their opposition The opposition to the Christian cult in the Roman days called them Christians, right, derogatorily. It was a curse word, right? When they called them Christians, they were making fun of them. Those of you guys that are in school and you're afraid to stand up for your faith because you're going to be made fun of, we're going to find that out in a couple of weeks, you are in good company when people make fun of you when they persecute you when they say all manner of evil against you for the sake of jesus you're in good company right so someone else will call us the children of god someone else will and that's based on blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers um, I, I enjoy listening to sermons and, and sometimes preparing for series. I will listen to uh, pastors preach on certain passages of Scripture because it encourages me and gives me some ideas, and I try to let the Spirit move. And, and, I, and I heard this great quote, this great quote from Thomas Watson. He's a Puritan pastor, uh, I think back in the 1600s. And this is what he said, Satan kindles the fire of contention in men's hearts, and then it should say stands and warms himself at the fire. Let that settle in for a second. Satan 
kindles the fire of contention in men's hearts. And then he stands there and he warms himself by the fire. The sad thing about contention today is there's contention without purpose. There's contention without progress. There's contention for the sake of contention. Satan kindles the fire of contention in men's hearts and then stands and warms himself at the fire. Without doubt, the devil is the great divider and he does his job well. Church, he's using this. Well, I wish I had a, almost like this was planned. He's using this to, it broke. He's using this to create contention between Christian brothers and sisters. And I ask you all a question. Is there anything in the Bible that says don't wear a mask? There's nothing in the Bible that says don't wear a mask, but there's stuff in the Bible that says love your brothers. There's this stuff in the Bible that says, hey, if you can avoid it, don't be an offense to other people. As much as is possible, live peaceably with all men. This message is convicting to me because I don't like wearing masks. My wife and I took a day off this week and we went down to Cape Cod in Massachusetts. It's a little different down there. I had to wear a mask like all the time. And I got like stuff behind my ear and it's killing me. When I get new glasses... If the bows are not just right, I get these blemishes behind my ear that are absolutely, insanely painful. So my wife got me one of those masks that go over your head and you just pull it up over your nose. And I think she did that because it covers more of your face. (laughs) I'm not sure. Some of you should be grateful for the whole mask thing. I'm just saying. Listen, man, without a doubt, the devil is the great divider And he does his job well. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the great serpent. He is the destroyer of all good things. He's the passionate purveyor of evil thoughts and deeds. When next you find yourself in a contentious situation, pause, press pause, and ask yourself this question. Am I being manipulated by the devil to cause unnecessary contention? Am I being manipulated? Or is the other party being manipulated by the devil or his demons because he's not omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipowerful, omnipotent? Uh, He has corporals and lieutenants and captains and privates, and he sends them to do his dirty work. Am I being influenced by satanic forces, or is the party that I am in the midst of this contentious discussion being influenced? Either way, if you realize that the contention is being caused by an outside spiritual force, you have a responsibility to be a peacemaker. And recognize the enemy. Listen, it's old tactics. Divide and destroy. Forget conquer. He wants to destroy you. He prowls about seeking whom he may devour. Our enemy is not just looking to conquer us. He is looking to annihilate us. 
His goal is to destroy churches everywhere. And it's sad to say some churches are not surviving the pandemic of COVID-19. Not because they don't... Listen. <laughs> Lord, help me. They're, they're not surviving because their hearts are divided and were divided before the pandemic hit. They don't support their churches when they're not in the building. Church becomes optional to them. And then they're divided because masks. They're divided because, well, we should never have stopped meeting. Or, if we're going to meet, we shouldn't have any restrictions. Or, 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 or. And the enemy is dividing and conquering churches in this nation. And it is a heartbreak that we elevate preferences above our care and concern and love for one another. Let me tell you something. I'm practicing what I preach. In other words, I'm not perfect at it. I'm still practicing. Like, uh, really practicing hard. Sometimes I don't practice nearly hard enough. But the reality is, we have an enemy. And he sows seeds of discord among the brethren. He sows lies. He sows contention. And it is our job, it is our duty, it is our task, and it is our distinction to be peacemakers. To be peacemakers. A few weeks ago we said it, was, it is a distinction of a Christian to be merciful. That is a Christian distinctive. That means it marks you out. Being a peacemaker is a distinctive of being a child of God. We know it without doubt because he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called, what? The children of God. That is a hallmark of Christianity. It is evidence of your salvation. Trisha and I took a, took a, a trip up north yesterday. It's kind of really cool that our, our last baby is 14. He could take care of himself. Um, he has buddies. He has friends. He's, you know, and so we're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to drive up to North Conway. You all said, he's like, yeah. He had Jacob and Aiden over the house, and they didn't even burn the house down. And so Trish and I were just able to drive up north. We went up to North Conway, did some shopping, uh, and just had a really good time together. And I was talking, this is what happens when you're married to the pastor. It's really miserable. Um, I preached the message before I get here. But I'm like talking about myself. I'm like, babe, uh, I call her babe, and sometimes I call her lady. I'm like, babe, do you, do you realize that this is not me? This is not me. I am, by my fallen nature, a contentious man. By my fallen nature, I am argumentative, and I like it. By my fallen nature, I have a sharp tongue and a sharp wit and I enjoy it. By my nature, I'm educated on whatever's happening in current events, and I can usually hang with the best of them, and I am opinionated by my nature. And so, as we're driving up north, this is very unlike me to not be offensive. Like, this is not me. I want to get on Facebook 
And I want to start arguing with people. I want to post things on Facebook that makes people's eyeballs bleed. Like, and I can do it because I have the artistic side and I can make a meme. And then I have the mean streak so I can make the meme mean. But the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't stand up for what's right. Don't make a mistake about this. Jesus said in one passage, he came to bring a sword. There are different ways to make peace. And, and, and um, we need to be careful that we don't, we don't conflate being a peacemaker with the absence of conflict. Right? If, if there was no conflict, there would be no need for a peacemaker. Right? The operative word is maker or peacemaker. Right? And so sometimes to make peace, conflict is necessary. I'm jumping ahead. Sorry, Lord. Consider the beginning, the beginning of peace. The original peacemaker is God himself. He's the original peacemaker. This is why being a peacemaker is a characteristic, a distinctive of the children of God. God is the original peacemaker. He sought peace with his creation and he made a way for peace. He walked into that conflict. He made a way for peace by himself. That's called propitiation. It's a big Bible word. It means he satisfied himself by himself. He satisfied his justice by paying for that justice himself for us. In other words, we were, the Bible teaches us, we were the enemies of God. All of us, after Adam fell in the garden, we were all the enemies of God. We were born that way, and then God sent His Son Jesus to the earth to live a perfect and sinless life, to pay the price of the offense of sin in our lives. And He made peace with us by paying for that peace by Himself. He's the original peace. Maker, He satisfied the cost that we owe Him by paying for it by Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself is called... Do you know, what he's, you know one of the titles of Jesus? He's called the Prince of Peace. Yes, absolutely. He's the Prince of Peace. We all need to be princes and princesses of peace wherever we Go because He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our King. And this is kingdom living. This is kingdom law. This should be a characteristic of your life and mine. So the first question is, if it's a characteristic of believers, do you have that evidence in your life? Now, I'm not saying are you perfect in it. I think I already said that I'm not perfect. I'm still practicing. But are you even practicing peacemaking? on purpose in your life. Are you more known as a contentious person than you are known as a peaceful person? Because being a peacemaker is a distinctive of being a child of God. Desiring peace Seeking peace, attempting to make peace. Does that, listen, that is a distinctive, a characteristic of God. 
Do you know him? Peacemakers, peacemakers first receive peace from God. That's the, that's, the beauty, that's the beauty of being a peacemaker is you receive peace with God through Christ and then we bring that peaceful spirit, the spirit of Christ with us wherever we go. Wherever we go, we bring the spirit of Christ with us if we have him. The ultimate peacemaker we bring with us if we have him. So you just heard this clip from Craig Alsop, right? Do you remember what the clip was? Jesus was the original missionary. He was a missionary from heaven. And we are called to join him in his mission to be missionaries for heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Listen, the original peacemaker was Jesus, and he came and brought peace to our hearts with God. Not the peace of God, but the peace with God. In other words, God was our enemy, he is now our friend, and that was accomplished by Jesus. And now we as peacemakers are supposed to join Jesus in his mission and bring that peace to people who don't yet know it. That was what the original series I did several years ago called Agent of Grace was all about. Agent of Grace evolved into a series on grace because I realized we didn't know what grace was anymore. And it's really difficult to be an agent of grace bringing the grace of God to a lost and dying world if we're not familiar with it. And the same could be said for being a peacemaker. My friends, if peace is not a hallmark of your life and you're trying to be a witness and testimony for Jesus Christ, good luck. Good luck. There have been times, particularly after 9-11, when our, our towers were, were, um, were brutally knocked down and over 3,000 people lost their lives, when the plane went down in the Pennsylvania field, when the Pentagon uh, had a plane crash into it. And I know there may be conspiracy theories here. I'm just going to say it was planes. Guys, get over it. And during that time, there were Christians that were so angry and you had a right to be angry. Anger is a gift from God. We had a right to be angry. But the posts that people were making, anti-Islamic posts, anti-Muslim posts, were so full of vitriol and hatred that I finally had to confront some people and ask them this question. If the Lord called you to witness to a Muslim, would he even listen to a word you said? Why should he? You're like, but pastor, they're our enemies. No, Satan is our enemy. The one that inspired the hijackers to do what they did is our enemy. And this isn't popular, but it's true. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's what Paul said. And Paul had some pretty brutal sinners in his day. This isn't new, by the way. All this stuff we're going through, we think it's the end of the world. Jesus is coming. Um, listen, man, the world has seen a lot of bad stuff all across the stages of history. Are you a peacemaker? Do you know the Prince of Peace? Has he marked your life? This, to me, is incredibly convicting. We often say this, we often say this, I can't, I can't. This is impossible. Pastor, you don't understand. I can't, I can't forgive. I can't be peaceful with this person. I can't do this, I can't do this. And guys, that is the whole point. Dude, if your Christian life 
is just about what you can do? How are you any different from everybody else? There's no glory to self when I was driving up with Trish to North Conway yesterday and I was talking to her and saying, this is not really me. Like, I want to jump in there and start swinging and I have ideas and I just want to start. And I'm like, but that's not me to hold back. So who gets the glory? It's not for my glory. That is God with a restraining influence on me because the Holy Spirit is within me. Anyways, I, I look at this and I say, this is incredibly convicting, but the reality is it's kingdom living and it is impossible without Christ living in us. Moving on. Peace often requires sacrifice. Peace often requires sacrifice. How do we make peace? Well, first of all, look at what happened. There was an offense, and the offense needed to be dealt with. And the only way to deal with it was for Jesus to come to the earth and die for that offense. It required a sacrifice for us to have peace with God. Now, there are times when we are at odds with one another, and there will be a sacrifice that is required for you to make peace. Sometimes that sacrifice is your pride, right? I had a brother come to me a couple of weeks ago, and it was while we were preaching on blessed are the merciful. He said, Pastor, this, this brother offended me. And I'll tell you, I was really upset with him. And um, after listening to the message and after being in small group and, and learning and learning over the last several weeks, I've decided to just let it go, Pastor. I decided to let it go because, first of all, it's not worth it. And second of all, he's just a guy like me. That's called forbearance, by the way. The peace that he has with this individual who, by the way, wasn't really aware that he was hurting is because he made a sacrifice. He made a sacrifice to keep the peace. I was listening to this pastor preach. He was preaching a message from about seven years ago before all of this crazy started happening. And he said this, in his sermon he alluded to Jesus and how Jesus, he made this phrase, and I thought this phrase was very powerful, Jesus did not stand on his rights. He did not stand on his rights when he came to make peace. You see, Jesus was the son of the living God. By right, everyone on the planet should have fallen at his feet and served him, worshipped him. But instead, he made a sacrifice and he died for the sins of the world. It says this, he made himself of no reputation. Jesus, who had a home in heaven, God in the flesh, did not stand on his rights. Instead, he made a sacrifice so that we could have peace with our Creator. Peace often requires sacrifice. 
I had jumped ahead on this, but I want to make sure we camp on it just a bit. Peace is not the avoidance of conflict. Peace is not the avoidance of conflict. When we think of peace, too often we think that peace is about avoiding something. But it's not because we are peacemakers. We bring peace into a contentious situation. Now, on one hand, I have my brother that was hurt by another brother. He has, by the grace, mercy, and power of God, determined that he could let go of the offense, and he made that sacrifice. The reality is this. If I were to talk to him today, and I would say, hey, how you doing? And he said to me, I'm still really struggling over what my brother did to me. Has he truly forborne his brother? Has he? No, because it's still sticking. Now, most of the time when I do premarital counseling, I get to this point and I say this. If your wife, if your husband does something and it hurts you and it doesn't stick, bear with them. Because guess what? We are all human. We're all flawed. We're all broken. And your wife, your husband are going, listen, he or she is going to do something that's going to hurt your feelings. It's a fact of life. If it sticks, though, you say, oh, I'm forget, I'm forgiven. And then the next morning you get up and it's still there. And the next morning you get up and it's still there. And the next morning you get up and it's still there. What you have is not peace. You do not have peace. You have a counterfeit peace. You follow what I'm saying? Peace is not the avoidance of conflict. There is a counterfeit in your house. It is the division of the devil. And I'll tell you what, I have been to friends' houses where avoidance was the name of the game. And I've walked into my friends' houses, and I am an empath. Anybody else an empath here? Empaths, you feel what other people feel. You, you are very sensitive to an emotional situation. You can tell what's going on without words. I walk into this house. My wife is not an empath. I'm an empath. We have different gift sets. Walk into this house, and you can feel the tension in the air. But they're not fighting. They're not fighting. There's peace in the house. They're avoiding the issue. And many mistakenly believe that avoidance is the same thing as peace. And it's not. We're peacemakers. And sometimes in order to make peace, you must have conflict. You must have a confrontation. Right? So if this brother of mine, if I happen to talk to him this week or next week, and he says, wow, you know, it's really still bothering me, what I'm going to say to him is, you must go and confront your brother. Because there's no peace right now. What there is is division because you are not fellowshipping. You are separated by a sin. And it may not be a sin. In reality, it may be a sin in perception where if you confront your brother, you may come to realize that there was a misunderstanding. And what I have discovered most of the time is there are misunderstandings that are all over the place. And they're destroying peace because people are afraid of confrontation and conflict. Peace is not the avoidance of conflict. Right? That's very important. Peacemakers make peace. We make peace. Peace is in short supply. We bring the peace of the Holy Spirit into the conflict. We bring the principles of God into the conflict. Right? Think about it. 
So if I walk up to my wife and I say, hey, babe, um, you know what you said to me the other day? It really, it really, dude, it's really bothering me. Really bothering me. And, and we got we to deal with this. Her response as a peacemaker should be, let's talk about it. That should be her response. Not put your dukes up, right? Not, hey, you hit me, I'm going to hit you twice as hard. That's not being peacemakers, okay? She should say, okay, what did I say? Or what did I do? And I'll say, well, you said this and did this. And she'll say, either this. Well, I didn't mean it that way. Please forgive me. Or she'll say, you're right. I should not have done that and take full responsibility if that's required. Not faking it, not fake, but she will respond in like. She will speak to me about the current conflict. What I see happening often is this. Listen, man, some of you guys that are married, you need to take this home with you. Hey, babe. I wish I could, I, I wish I could have an actress up here. Hey, babe. Um, you remember when you said this about my fat belly? That really hurt my feelings. And she would say, well, do you remember when you said this about my fat belly? Well, that hurt my feelings. Is that an appropriate response to someone bringing a confrontation to you? It's not, listen, man, it's not a competition. It's a confrontation. And far too often when someone comes to us and confronts us, instead of dealing with it, we go to something that they've done that's offended us. Well, here's the reality. Number one, that's dumb. Number two, it's not fair because you should have brought that up months ago instead of waiting for them to bring this up. You can't deflect from that confrontation. You must stand there and accept it, settle it, make peace over it, and then... Once that's settled, if there really is something, I would recommend waiting a day. Let the dust settle and then approach them and say, hey, that was a really good conversation, conversation we had yesterday and it, and it brought some things to my mind that you've done that have bothered me. And then you have that, com that conversation. Peacemakers make peace where peace is in short supply. It brings the peace of the Holy Spirit into the conflict. It brings the principles of God into the conflict. Philippians chapter 4, the word of the Lord tells us this. Let your moderation be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. This means a gentle, gentle and peaceable spirit. Peacemakers don't avoid conflict. They enter into it and make peace out of it by the person and power of the Holy Spirit of God. Can I tell you, when I'm in a conflict or when I help to mediate a conflict, and I'll, I mean, as a pastor, you get stuck in this all the time. It's wonderful. I highly recommend it. Walking into a marital situation where the husband and wife are ready to rip each other's throats out and you get to be the mediator. It's such a blessing. But it really is. Oftentimes, though, you end up being the bad guy and they leave happy and, with each other and hating you. No, that's not, that's not true. But usually, this is what will happen. When I say that peacemakers bring the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God into the conflict... That means that you're not entering into this with your own wisdom, with your own power, with your own abilities. You walk into this conflict with someone. And all through the series, almost from, well, from the end of 2019 to today, 
I have been preaching on the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life, and how transformative His presence is. And I hope you will get this and take it with you by the end of this year. I hope your lives are transformed because of the personal, powerful presence of God. When I enter into a conflict situation, when I enter into a marriage that is falling apart, when I enter into a a, a child and parent situation where they're just at odds and they can't communicate and they can't talk, I don't walk in there with the wisdom of Eric. I mean, I have some. I've been doing this for a long time and I have a lot of experience. What I usually do is I walk in there and go, I I, I say, Lord, God, you got to help me. You got to help me. I have no idea what to say to this couple. Lord, I need your help. Give me the words to speak. There was a situation where there was a conflict between me and another family in this church, and it, was, it had grown to the point where it was such a massive schism that I thought we were not going to survive as friends, and I felt that family would leave the church, and I was basically preparing myself for that eventuality. It was incredibly difficult, and there was wrong on both sides, as it, as it turned out, because as I got into my office before our meeting and confrontation, I sat at my desk, and I began to pray. Holy Spirit, open my heart, open my eyes, help me to see, and help me to speak what, I, what needs to be spoken. And leading up to that, I was reading through a devotional from our Version Bible app, and um, I think it was when the angel made us go through. I mean, invited us to go through. And it was on humility. gum. You can't be a peacemaker if you don't have a heart of humility. And as I was reading this devotional on humility, I realized, holy smoke, I could be wrong in this area. Now, they're wrong in this area, but I could be wrong in this area. And if I don't correct this, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. This is what it means to be a peacemaker. So I'm praying. I'm like, God, give me strength. Give me power. Give me words. Give me wisdom. They come in, and I got to tell you, man, the peacemaker was present in the room. And almost before I could get my words out, the other person was saying, Before you say anything, I've got to say this. I have been thinking this about you, and I was wrong. I found out that I believed the wrong things, and I've been really horrible in my thoughts towards you and some of my actions. And I'm like, huh. Well, I've had a bad attitude with you. You don't want to hear anything that I said to my wife. And we had this really beautiful conversation that would not have happened if we had avoided conflict. And as a matter of fact, the reality is that situation got to the place that it was because both sides had chosen to pretend everything was okay. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean avoid conflict, but it does mean this, avoid foolishness. Now, this is where I jump on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and every other social media, Snapchat, you name it, 
It is, a, it is the avoidance of foolishness. It's not the avoidance of conflict. It's not the avoidance of confrontation where there is a schism, right? There's a division in the family, in the fellowship. There's something that needs to be confronted. There's something that needs to be healed, that needs to be fixed because there's only a veneer of peacefulness and almost everybody but you is aware of it, right? And you know if you look in the mirror and you really think about it that you're aware of it too, right? That's not what we're talking about, but there is an avoidance of foolishness Second uh, Timothy chapter two. This was my youth group's um, uh, key verse when I was a youth pastor. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love. What's that next word? What is it? Peace, peace righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But here it is: avoid. Foolish and ignorant conflicts, disputes, knowing they generate strife. But a servant and a servant of God, a servant of the Lord, must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in, what does it say? What is that word? What is the word? There's no humility in the world today. Oh, God, help me. Correcting, there's confrontation, right? Correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses. And look what it says. Who are they escaping? Who is the sower of discord among the brethren? Who is the accuser of the brethren? Who is the great divider and destroyer? Come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Ooh, boy. This is where I pause and take a sip of coffee. I need to recharge. Are you a contentious person? Are you a, are you a troublemaker? I know people, I know of people, probably know people, that are proud of the fact that they make trouble. Do you ask for trouble? Christian, do you ask for trouble by bringing up foolish questions designed to generate strife? There are other passages that support this, by the way. This is not the only one we can point to. There are those that seek to undermine the faith of others, intentionally causing strife. Do you find yourself being argumentative? Because being argumentative for the sake of arguing, arguing over foolishness, fighting over foolishness, is tantamount to immaturity in the life of a believer. He says flee youthful passions, youthful lusts. When we are intentionally contentious, we are displaying for everyone around us that we are immature or unsaved. One of the two. He says, flee. This is why I rarely interact on social media. Because he says, flee these things. <laughs> Too many people are like a moth to a flame when it comes to social media. They see a comment or a post and they just, <laughs> do 
And listen, like I said, guys, if I don't post or comment, that is to the glory of God because it is not my nature. It is not my nature. Cliff, you laughing back there. Him and I have had some really good conversations on this. It's not my nature to take a back seat, but I consider, I consider, is this a foolish dispute that's just going to gender strife? Or is it a worthy conversation? There's a preacher I, I used to enjoy very much. He said, don't sacrifice your influence to make a point. Don't sacrifice your influence with the lost to make a point. Church, believers, Christians, listen to me. The Bible is your constitution. Now, I'm an American. My brother Randy was a United States Marine. My nephew was a United States Marine. My brother-in-law was a United States Marine. My brother Tracy was Army Airborne, 82nd. Right? You follow me? I am a, from a military family. And I love my country, but I'm a citizen of heaven first and America second. Sometimes we jump onto disputes where there is no resolution in sight just to make a point, And we sacrifice our influence when we do it. Friends, Facebook is full of people making points, but there's very few people who have influence. Consider the cost of making your point. Consider the cost of engaging in an endless argument. Consider the cost to your brothers and sisters. Consider the cost to your own testimony and witness and flee youthful passions. Now listen, it doesn't mean that we don't correct those who are in opposition. We do confront when there is sin, when there is sinful behavior and ungodly behavior. Confrontation is necessary to bring peace. Paul says this though, as much as is possible, live peaceably with all men. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. Peace is something that often doesn't just accidentally happen. We've got to be intentional about pursuing peace. We need to strive for peace. We need to bring peace into contentious situations. We need to be like Jesus. And listen, there are times when you must take a stand. Just make sure the hill that you are going to die on is worth your death. He himself, the Bible says in Ephesians, speaking of Jesus, he himself is our peace who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation, abolished in his flesh and the enmity, that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to you who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Here's the deal. What is that Ephesians speaking of? And I know we're running just about on time. In Ephesians, in Ephesians, 
there were the Jewish believers, the church at Ephesus, and there were the Greek Gentile believers. And the Jewish believers were haughty and arrogant and full of themselves. And we, we have God. We have the Old Testament. We, Jesus was a Jew, right? We are where it's at. You are second class Christians. Now the Greeks on the other side was, we are brilliant and smart. And we have philosophers and Socrates, and, and we are way more intellectually, intellectual than you are. You are just a dumb Jew. This is in one church. You think that was contentious? I can see people coming into church. You want to talk about segregation. There was the Jews on one side and the Greeks on the other side. And Paul comes in and he said, listen up. Christ came to make one body out of two. The middle wall of separation that was established by the law has been abolished because Jesus came and fulfilled it. You are all Christians. Act like it. So in our church, listen, I got my mask-wearing brothers, and they say, we are smart and you are dumb. You are sheep and snowflakes, and we are woke. And then you have the, the other people. There's a reason not to wear a mask. You all look so much better like this. The other people on the other side, we are righteous, we are godly, you are dumb. The reality is both sides need to let go of foolish arguments. And, and I mean, this is just handy. This is not the only thing happening. But for this to divide churches, for this to divide brothers and sisters in Christ, can you not see Satan dancing a jig right now? He's like, all it took <laughs> was a mask for brothers and sisters to divide. And, and of course, both sides, will, one side will say it's our constitutional right. The other side will say it's our health, <laughs> right? Both sides have great arguments. But at the end of the day, my brother and sister is more important to me than a mask. Or whatever else the placebo may be. Wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. What does it say there? What does it say? Willing to yield. I'm not seeing a whole lot of that today. Willing to yield. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and hypocrisy. Now the fruit of the, spirit, uh, the, fruit of the righteousness is sown in what? Sown in peace by those who make peace. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Now, instead of being so caught up in our own pet arguments, and listen, I know it sounds silly. I've, I've used masks, but we could use music. Ron's going to be preaching for us here in a couple of weeks. He's considering preaching things 
similar to this, we could use music and say, oh, I can't go to that church because they don't sing the hymns, or I can't go to that church because they only sing hymns. I can't go to that church because he doesn't wear a tie. I can't go to that church because he wears a three-piece suit. And we use all of these silly things to divide us. And the enemy doesn't want to conquer. Remember, what does he want to do? Destroy. His goal at the end of this pandemic is to see a nation of churches in ruin. That is his goal. That is his goal. So what should we do? Share Jesus. Share peace. If you know him, if you know him, then there should be some measure of peace in your soul. There should be some measure of peace that you bring with you into conflict. If there's not, would you pray? Maybe you don't know him. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, would you ask him right now, Lord Jesus? I recognize that I'm a sinner and that without you I'm hopeless. And I believe you came uh, to the earth as a son of the living God and that you walked the earth for for 33 years and you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the grave and Jesus, I believe this about you and I don't want to live and walk in sin any longer. Would you please save my eternal soul? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved means you shall have peace with God. For those of you that know Jesus, are you walking in peace? Are you walking in peace? Are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? Think about it. Now, I know some of you, by nature, you're just like, you are just like me. And if you didn't have Jesus, there'd be no peace around you ever because you're just, you're just like me. You're contentious and a troublemaker. Would you go to the Lord and say, Lord, reign in my fallen nature and make me subject to you. We're going to close in prayer. I know I've gone just a bit long. Heavenly Father, I thank you for gathering us here this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would take into consideration your holy word, that we would, um, Lord, that we would be honest with ourselves, that we would look into our own hearts and minds, and that we would see uh, what needs changing. Lord, that we would invite you in to change it. Father, for those that don't know Jesus as Savior, I pray, Lord, that they would come to you and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.